Courtside Club is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook. You bet you get with Caesar's Rewards. Must be 21 or older. I don't think people realize how insane a Knicks championship parade would be. <laughs> Take the chaos that you've seen like outside the garden. Take that time to trillion. It would be mayhem. The city would have to shut down. You would need Batman, Spider-Man, the Avengers, everybody to like calm us down. It would be pure chaos. And I can't wait. What's up, you guys? I'm Rachel Demita, and welcome to the Courtside Club. Today is a very special episode because this is our season one finale. You guys, we have racked up 45 episodes this season, and honestly, I've had an amazing time. We've had the most incredible guests. I couldn't have asked for a better roster and just better people to have on my show for season one of Courtside Club. Today, I'm joined by sports media personality and host at I Am Athlete, Miss 30 Under 30, the lovely Ashley Nicole Moss. <laughs> Ashley, welcome to the Courtside Club. Thank you. How are you? I'm great. I'm excited to be here. You've had you've had some of my friends on here, so I'm excited to join. You know the people who had the honor of being on the platform. So I'm excited. Oh, I love that. Which friends? So you had Jalen Rose on the show, which is a really good friend of mine, also one of my mentors. So I saw the episode, loved it, and I was like, you know what, Jalen did it. I'm gonna do it too. Just trying to be like Jalen when I grow up, basically. We love Jalen. I feel like I could have talked to Jalen for like three hours straight, but I tried not yeah. to go on too long. And also he's a busy man, yeah. so I didn't want to keep it. Um, <laughs> for sure. But I was so excited to have you on. I've been following your career journey. And even I feel like in the past year, you've done some amazing things. Obviously, we are both females in the sports world. So wanted to pick your brain on some things NBA related, sports related, and then also talk about your background a little bit. Yeah, let's do it. Cool. Um, I wanted to go over some NBA headlines right now and get your take on it. I know that you're a host at I Am Athlete. You are surrounded by a lot of opinionated people. But Mm -hmm. today we're going to focus on your opinions on some of these (laughs) topics. Um, First off, I want to start with one that I'm actually having a hard time understanding myself, and it's this Draymond Green, Dylan Brooks beef that's going on. Like you and me both, I, I have no idea where it started. I don't, I mean, I know where it started. I just don't understand how it's gotten to like this point. It seems a little uh, dramatic, but I mean, the NBA, you a know, little petty, guys, a little, it's a little bit, a little petty, a little dramatic, <laughs> a little bit high school, a little bit college, maybe depending on what school you went to. But I mean, the NBA thrives on storylines like this and rivalries like this. If you want to call it that, Draymond doesn't call it that. Dylan calls it that. So they have a whole different definition of the word. But it's interesting to say the least. Yeah. Are you on? You're on TikTok. You know that audio where it's like, my life's kind of boring right yeah. now. Uh, should I start? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah not any drama. Should I start some drama? Right. That's how it feels like for, for sure. Me. Yeah. I mean, it seems a little, you know, Draymond's going on his podcast and blasting Dylan and Dylan then, you know, is firing back. And, you know, my thing is, is Draymond, listen, I know you're a champ and all that stuff. Congratulations. Love that for you. But you can't go on your podcast and, you know, pop off of the mouth like that and then lose. That's not how that works. 
So, you know, it's a little bit of what's the saying? Don't let your mouth write a check. Your ass can't cash. But like Draymond says, (laughs) rivalries are born in the playoffs. And right now there is no real rivalry between these two teams. So it's fun in the regular season, though. I think Dylan Brooks kind of is just on everybody's list. Is probably the most hated NBA player in the league right now. People just don't like him. He he irks people. Right. And then you have a guy like Draymond who is fiery no matter what you're talking about. Right. So you pick anything with him and he's going to run with it. Um, Somebody else who I feel like kind of keeps that Draymond energy is Patrick Beverly. Mm -hmm. And I love that he has a podcast now as well, which is, it's funny though, because he started this podcast and then I feel like I've heard less from him now that he has his own platform. Like, correct me if I'm wrong. He has his outlet. (laughs) But I feel like he's like toned it down. Yeah, he has an outlet to kind of get his... His takes off, his thoughts off. It's like a virtual diary, journal, whatever you want to call it. So, you know, anything that he thinks about saying in a press conference or, you know, in an interview post-game, pre-game, whatever, he's probably like, you know what, I'm going to save it for the podcast. Why Why should I give this away, you know, for free? Let me let me save it for my own platform. So, listen, I, I'm not mad at the whole new media game. I love that athletes are kind of in this space where they can, you know, take their own narrative and, and kind of grab a hold of it. And tell it the way that they want to and, and share stories, you know, the way they want to and have conversations the way they want to. I love it. I think it it creates a more diverse, you know, um, atmosphere when it comes to the world of sports. You get so many different perspectives and nobody knows the game better than, you know, the guys and the women who have played the game. So I think they deserve a platform as much as, you know, the rest of us do. So I'm not mad at all. I like it. I like the podcast wars. It's cool. Who would you love to see start their own podcast or YouTube channel or Twitch channel? Dame, because Dame doesn't really talk a lot. So I feel like Dame would be a good one. Um, I feel like Steph Curry would be a good one. Um, Jimmy Butler would be hilarious. Yeah, true. Like Jimmy (laughs) would have a great podcast, great YouTube channel. He is a character. I just imagine like all types of vlogs and pranks and I don't know if he would talk as much trash. I feel like he would throw like jokes people's way, but I don't know if he would have like a full blown podcast war with somebody, but he might. Giannis would be a great a channel just straight dad jokes and him discovering <laughs> America's finest things like Oreos for the first time. Right. I think that'd be great too. It should be yeah. like Giannis tries. It's a whole YouTube channel where he's just trying yes. new like American things. Yeah. Don't give that away for free. That was actually a really good idea. Yeah. I, uh, assign me as EP, please. Thank you. <laughs> Moving on to a little bit of a more serious topic. Obviously one of the biggest stars in the league, John Morant has found himself in some hot water lately. I feel like there's been, multiple things that kind of led up to this last Instagram live flashing, you know, a gun to all of his followers. Now we're seeing from the team that he is stepping away from the team indefinitely and getting counseling in Florida, I believe. What, what is your take on that? How you think the the team is kind of going to recover from this? Um, And also just seeing how, how Nike's handled handled the situation how the NBA has handled the situation I mean when I spoke about this a few days ago when I think the first the news first came out you know about you know him brandishing the gun on IG live and we everyone was having multiple conversations and things like that obviously the actions are wrong but I'm somebody who believes that you know topics and sports players specifically there's layers to things and I think that anybody who witnessed you know 
that action live or saw the video of that and then also took into consideration the other things that he's been involved with allegedly you know prior to that I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to figure out that there's something not right it's not normal behavior you and I don't go around you know acting like that most people don't go around acting like that there are a lot of guys in the NBA who make the same amount if not more money than John Morant and have been in the game a lot longer don't go around and acting like that so I think multiple things can be true. I like to use this saying a lot. Two things can be true at the same time. He can have made a mistake and have have to pay the repercussions of that mistake, whether good or bad in this situation, it's bad. You know, Powerade pulls, you know, their, their ad with him and that's on hiatus. He's affecting his team because they don't know when he'll return. And although they're, you know, right now coasting and staying afloat and winning games, the team's better with John Moran. I know, you know, people like to say, oh, it doesn't matter. It matters, especially when you get into the playoffs. But I think that also he's not okay. And I think that we can't pick and choose when we are advocates for mental health, especially when it comes to the world of sports. We have to look at things as bigger pictures and as whole pictures. And it's easy to see that he's not okay. Whatever reason that is, whether it's stresses at home or just stresses with, you know, managing this complete rise. I mean, this cat is a huge rise in his career from last season to this season, the signature shoe and all the attention. If he's not handling those things well and he looks to other sources to go ahead and ease that, that's not healthy. I think that most people could see that, yes, the actions were wrong, but it's deeper than that. And I'm glad that he's going and, you know, putting himself first and taking care of himself and doing what he needs to do to be better for the long term, not only for his career, but for his personal life. I was thinking about that as well when the news first came out that he was seeking counseling or going to therapy. And my kind of first thought, if I'm just being honest, I'm like, how would therapy help? Okay, don't do not do this on Instagram, mm-hmm. right? And then I started thinking about it deeper. And, and I think one of the biggest things that maybe he takes out of getting this help and this counseling is who he surrounds himself with and what people he might need to cut off in his life, which yeah. could be something that's really hard to do because I, again, I don't know all of the situations, but whoever he is surrounded by who is hyping him up when he's in situations that mm. are not good for an NBA player to be in are not people who are out for your best interest. And so cut, cutting off people though, who you might have been around since you were a child you know, no one wants to be that person who's changed or who forgot, you know, forgot the small people. We but, call it, we call it in the hood, we call it going Hollywood. Right, you exactly. Know, that's something that you hear a lot is, oh, you Hollywood now. But I think that the biggest lesson you can learn, and listen, Jaws only 23. I think we forget that sometimes, especially with a lot of young guys in the NBA because they have grown people responsibility, right? You have adult responsibility, but you're still not quite an adult. You're an adult in age. But you're not quite an adult. At 23, I was an adult in age, but I was not an adult. It was the furthest thing from it. So I think that you have to look at your life and the people in it as assets and liabilities. You know, who's adding, who's subtracting. And that's a lesson, unfortunately, that you have to learn with trial and error. It's not something that you just wake up one day and you say, oh, they're good for me. They're bad for me. Let me adjust. It's you, unfortunately, have to learn it through situations. For job, this is his situation. And also, look. You can remove all the people you want from your life, but if you yourself do not have healthy practices to managing stress, to managing fame, to managing your career, whatever it may be in your life, you can, you can get rid of everybody. You'll still have the same problem. So it's, it's on him, and it's also on him to kind of maybe surround himself with better people. So 
basketball is better when he's in it. So I, I hope sure. he gets the help he needs. I think that's something that's true across all sports, celebrity news. Mm-hmm. We are never going to have the full story. The The only thing that we can really analyze, and, and we don't even have the full story here, is what these players are doing on the court. We could say, right. this person had a good game tonight, or he was a step slow on defense, or he wasn't shooting very well. We can see all of that. But the extracurricular mm-hmm. things, we're never going to have all of that information. So even what is published to us is still the tip of the iceberg, what you're talking about. Right. Something that was interesting to me is when, when Nike came out with their statement about him and said, you know, we are kind of supporting him and, and, and he's going to mm-hmm. get help. A lot of people came back and was like, where was this energy with Kyrie? And the mm-hmm. the situations are completely different. Yeah, completely. Mm-hmm. And And it made me start to think of, okay, we are learning more and more about these athletes and who they are as people and, and these different athletes sticking up for what they believe in, whether it's, it's right or wrong. Where is that line going to be when it comes to the brands? Like, is that in their contract that this, this, and this you cannot do? And this, this, and this is the repercussion for that? Um, I mean, I've never signed a multi-million dollar Nike deal, not yet at least, but yeah, I mean, whenever you, whenever, whenever you sign like a, a, a deal with a brand of any level, um, and it's a partnership, it's not like a one-off, there are things you can and cannot do. Now, is that already pre-existing in athletes' contracts? I mean, I would assume so. Like if you, you know, God forbid, murder somebody, I think Nike can drop you. There's something, there's a clause for that. When it comes to other things, you know, in terms of self, self-expression self or, you know, freedom of speech, things like that, um, I would assume it's in there. If not, it probably will be eventually. I think the comparison between the Ja and the Kyrie thing is very far-fetched. I mean, Ja Morant. Now, listen, both situations are wrong, but they're wrong for different reasons. What Ja did, you know, more so put a stain on his brand and the brands that are tied to his brand as Ja Morant. It put a stain on the NBA which also is tied to the brand that is John Morant. Kyrie, whether you agree or disagree with how it was done, insulted, whether you know directly, indirectly, whether purposefully or unpurposefully, a group of people, you know, a, a religion, a cultural group of people, which is not even remotely close to the same thing. So while I can understand people trying to make that correlation. It's very much apples to oranges. It's not quite the same thing. No, I agree. You are from New York. I am, yeah. How are we feeling about the Knicks this season? I'm excited, man. I think a lot of people thought we were going to be dead in the water. Um, You know, I think it's very impressive. You know, you bring Josh Harden, you bring Jalen Brunson in, and you know, great guys, great players. But, you know, whenever you bring new guys into a situation, especially a situation like the Knicks that, you know, those guys have already kind of been percolating together for a few seasons, you always run the risk of the chemistry not being there. We've seen that, you know, when super teams are formed or not even super teams, just new teams are formed in general. And the chemistry is an issue. Look at Kyrie and Luca. Look at the big three multiple ways in Brooklyn. You look at Mm -hmm. the situation with the Lakers. You know, sometimes you throw a bunch of players together and you hope it works with what's already existing. And sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't. And you always run that risk. So for the Knicks, it's very impressive that Jalen Brunson was able to be implemented into the system seamlessly, it seems like. You bring Josh Harden, same situation, seamlessly being, you know, 
um, kind of integrated into their system. And it works. I mean, you see what the game looks like without Jalen Brunson. I was one of the people who were a little apprehensive about the money that he was being given, um, you know, in the talks of him joining the Knicks. Only because, not because I don't think he is worth it, but only because the Knicks have other areas they need to go ahead and address down the line. And you never want to put all your money into one entity. We did that with Carmelo Anthony, and we didn't win anything. So, um, not saying Carmelo and Jalen are making the same money, but it's kind of the same foundation. But it's turned out to be an incredible situation. Are the Knicks championship contenders? Not yet. But I definitely think that this is a team that can make some noise in the playoffs depending on the matchup and whether they come out of the first round or not, that obviously depends on the matchup. But I think whatever team that they play, they'll definitely give them a hard time. It's not going to be a sweep. It's not going to be, you know, an easy matchup for any team. The team is tough. And when they step on the court, they believe they can win and they want to win. And I think that's the biggest difference maker from this season and last season for sure. How important is it to you that – New York has a good basketball team. So I feel like for the league, it's so important. And we've been missing it for so long. And there was a sliver of hope with Brooklyn, but still that fan base is nowhere near Mm -hmm. what the Knicks fan base is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my manager's on here listening and he's like a diehard Brooklyn fan, but it's just not the same. It's It's not not the same same. as the Knicks. It's not. It's not. (laughs) I've I've been to the Barclays. It's not the same. Um, It's super important. I mean, you know, Sports in general are better when New York teams are winning and they're relevant. You know, whether it's football, baseball, basketball, I mean, it's the mecca of sports. It's the toughest sports media market, I would say, in the country. You know, all eyes, that microscope is different, that lens is different. And it's better when they're in the conversation. You know, the league is better when the Knicks are winning, when the Knicks are relevant. They've always been relevant, obviously, to New Yorkers in the city of New York, but across the league, you know, it's better when they're relevant. It's better when they're on prime time. Um, So... It's super important. I mean, obviously, you know, New Yorkers, real New Yorkers, our Knicks fans, want a championship in New York. You know, we want a parade. We want to we want to experience, you know, what a lot of other teams have experienced in the past 15, 20 years. Um, I think that the Knicks get closer and closer every season. I think they're a superstar away from making that happen. Um, it's just a matter of being a team that people want to go to. I think that's been the diff- biggest fault against the Knicks you know it's an extremely expensive city to live in and and the media is not kind so if you also add to that a team that's kind of in disarray whether it's the front office whether it's coaching whether it's you know the team really is not that appealing it's hard to go ahead and get a Dame or a Bradley Beal or a LeBron or a KD I think that now you know people are looking at the Knicks differently they're looking at the Knicks as like this team this team could actually be something relatively very quickly. I may want to go there. I think that's the biggest thing, and that's what's going to take the Knicks to the next level. So I'm excited. The future's bright in New York. New York, not Brooklyn. We're talking the other <laughs> side York. of the bridge. Manhattan, what's yeah. your most memorable moment at MSG? Ooh, so many. Um, Probably Carmelo's announcement, you know, when they announced um, him as a Nick for the first time. Um, it was crazy. You know, Mello was a Brooklyn kid. I know Baltimore also claims him, but he was born in Brooklyn first, went to Syracuse. And, um, you know, when he came to New York and they played, you know, I'm coming home and the whole arena went black and you just saw the lights of the phones and he walks out for the first time in Madison Square Garden surrounded by friends and family and just fans. And it was really cool. You know, it's, there's, 
something special about being from New York and playing for New York, working in New York, whatever the case may be, seeing a mount, seeing a level of success in the city you come from. And I'm sure that's the same across the board. If you're from LA, it's probably really cool, like playing, you know, at the Staple or now the Crypto Arena or whatever the case may be. So that was a really dope moment because it was like a full circle. You know, the kid from the projects is now playing in the world's most famous arena in the city he grew up in. So that was that was probably up there for me. That was really dope. He's like the perfect player for New York as well because he has that confidence yes. that he can just like mm-hmm. cut through any of the noise but has that edge on the court. So it was a mm-hmm. it was a good time in the NBA. Yeah, for sure. Here on Courtside Club, we like to take a halftime break and I have a little okay. game for you if you're down. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. Spoiler alert, you're not going to win every bet you place. But with Caesars Sportsbook, win or lose, every bet gives you reward credits and tier credits, which you can exchange for the best perks in the game. Hotel stays, VIP experiences, sports and concert tickets, and more. Download the Caesars Sportsbook app and start earning with Caesars Rewards. If you have a gambling problem in Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed to Horseshoe, Bossier, City, and Harris, New Orleans. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, which is 1-800-426-2537. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. New York, call 8 8- 778-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y 467-369. So this is a reoccurring segment here on Courtside Club. It is your starting fives. Ooh, okay, okay. So I'm going to start off with your current NBA players, your starting five. All right, I'm putting that Steph Curry. Okay. I'm going to go... Bam Adebayo. Oh, that's a wild card. I like it, though. Yeah, I'm going to go Bam Adebayo at center. Actually, you know what? I think I'm going to put Steph at the two. And okay. maybe I'm going to put... Maybe I'll put Dame as the point guard. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch up the Splash Brothers a little bit. I'm going to put Dame, Steph, Bam. Let's say i got two spots left. You got your three and your four. Let me go LeBron James. Let me go Kevin Durant. I like it. Yeah. That's a gritty starting five. Yeah, I got I got two night. I got two just assassins, handle wise, shooting wise. But I also got the height. <laughs> I got the shooting also from KD. I feel like that's a team that can win a chip for sure. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, what about your NBA players of all time? Starting five. Okay, I'm going with Allen Iverson. Favorite player. Allen Iverson and Kobe Bryant are two favorite players. I love that. Yes, those are my those are my two. So they're going to be on okay. my team. Um, I got AI. I got Kobe. Center. I'm gonna go probably. I'm gonna go Kareem. Let's say Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Um, I don't know. I feel like four in the five. I would still ride it out with LeBron and KD. I feel like that'd be like a nice. Yeah, Kobe, Iverson, Kareem, LeBron, and KD. That would be a crazy team. That's like the Monstars. I'm taking, <laughs> I think I'm taking that. I think I'm going to take that one. You're producing a new Space Jam right here. Yeah, that would actually be kind of sick. Actually, oh, wait, I forgot Jordan. Oh, wait. Um, <laughs> We're both getting hype and we both forgot. I know. I totally forgot second. Jordan. 
I'm probably gonna take LeBron out and put Jordan in his spot oh. then. So it would be, yeah, I'm gonna go Kobe, you are. Iverson, Jordan, KE, Kareem. Yeah, that's what I. That's what I'm gonna go with that. That's my little. That's mix. controversial. I know, but, but I, I but know. I love it. I like it. <laughs> I yeah, like yeah it. I'm gonna take that. I need the height too. Of I need the height of Kareem and KD. So I'll take it. Yeah. Okay. Last but not least, starting five players or celebrities that you've interviewed. Ooh, your favorites. Interview. If I've met them, does that count too? Like, if I've had a conversation with them, or I've had to like sit down and interview them. If the conversation was that great, then okay. it like puts them at the top. Then go for it. All right, I'm going Iverson again. I'm okay. going <laughs> Chris Brown. Okay. Um, Chris Brown would be at the two. Iverson would be at the one. I'm gonna put two chains in there. I'm gonna put two chains at the three. He's a pretty good hooper. Yeah, he's six five. He's nice and lean. He's a good hooper. Um. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna put Penny Hardaway in the conversation as well. So I got I got Iverson, Penny Hardaway, Chris Brown, two chains. I don't know if I have anybody really big enough to do center though. That's the only thing. These are just your favorites. Okay, so, so I'm, do, a, I'm gonna do, have to. positionless. I got a positionless. Yeah, we'll play small ball. Okay, so last spot I'm gonna give that to. I don't know if he can hoop, but I'm going to say Jadakiss because that was one of my favorite interviews. <laughs> I love that. I don't know if Jada got handles or I don't know what he can do on the court, but I, I enjoyed speaking with him. So I'm going to him in the conversation. I couldn't even tell you how tall he is. He could also like play on the court. Jada's like and, my height. So he's like 5'10". You know? Yeah, it's true. Fat Joe. Could put Fat Joe in there. He was a good one. Could, there's a few people like Jim Jones. I'll just do a whole New York Rucker Park type thing. I'm just going to put all the New York rappers in a group together. That's what I'm going to do. You'll have to do that at some point. It will be the yeah. Ashley Nicole Moss celebrity basketball game, and you right? choose the players who are playing <laughs> at yeah, for sure. I love that. Yeah. You talked about Allen Iverson, said he was mm -hmm. one of your favorite players, and you spoke to him, but didn't interview him? Not yet. He's on my list. You know, I had a list of people. I still have the list, actually. It's like in the back of one of my journals that I had as a, as a kid kid as a teenager but um when I really like figured out like okay I'm gonna go to college to study journalism I wrote down all the people that I would love to interview and I've been scratching them off little by little Jada Kiss was on there so I scratched him off Kobe Bryant was on there unfortunately I never got to interview him before his you know passing um and Alan Iverson's also one of the names on those lists and I feel like the Iverson one could be percolating soon so I'm excited to get the possibility but I met him a few times and I was starstruck. I don't get star there's only been two people that I've ever really been like intimidated by or starstruck by. Obviously if I met Beyonce I would pass out, but like that hasn't happened to me yet. <laughs> so I don't have to worry about that. Yeah. But I met Iverson and it was like because it's like weird seeing somebody, it's so surreal seeing somebody who you had on your wall, like as a kid and you were watching and I had like the Iverson jersey dress and all those things. And now he's standing in front of my face and it's like, wow, you're Alan Iverson. And then my first big interview in the basketball world was Pat Riley. And I was like 21 years old and I'm interviewing Pat Riley and he has this very like godfather, just like aura about him. He walks in like hair slicked yeah. back perfectly, like suited up and just smelling like $7,000 cologne. I don't even know what he was wearing. 
But like he comes in and it's just like so like Don Coleon and you just feel like so like overwhelmed. And I'm a Knicks fan and Pat Riley and the Knicks. I'm like, does he know? Like he is the nicest guy though. He's so intelligent and, and honestly, like when it's not business, he's so warm and inviting. He has such a good energy about him and he made me feel so comfortable. But I remember him walking up in my direction and I'm just like, oh my God, it's Pat Riley. Like, what do I do? Like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I say? But um, those are the two people that, like, when I met, I was a little, like, got a little sweaty hands, a little, like, oh, my God, okay. I think I think we're the same person because AI was my favorite player growing yeah. up as well, and I have yet to interview him, but I have mm-hmm. met him. And when I met him, I honestly didn't even know what to say. A friend of mine who is friends with him is like, I'll introduce you. I had nothing to talk to the man <laughs> about, so I just shook his hand. Yeah. And I was like, I just want to say thank you so much for everything mm-hmm. that you did for the game of basketball. Like, huge fan ever since I was a child. Like, I appreciate you. Like, thank you. And he just said thank you. Like, he was really nice, but it was a quick, like, shake Super your hand. Super nice. And then That's I just kind of say sometimes. ran off. <laughs> Listen, less words, less embarrassment. That's all. That's, that's always a safe bet. So you did the right thing because I did the same yeah. thing. So. <laughs> So you, you talked about getting in into the space. You were writing down all the people that you wanted to interview. Mm-hmm. Where did you see yourself going? Obviously, both of us are kind of coming up in this new wave of media, right? Mm-hmm. And, and when I was in college, really the only way to be in sports or be hosting at all was to go to a local news station and mm-hmm. kind of work your way up. And I did it differently. I started on YouTube. But we're seeing like – the way that the media is changing is is faster than ever. Mm-hmm. It's something new every single year. Where did you see yourself when you were coming up? When I was graduating college, I I believe that before I even walked across the stage or when I was walking across the stage, ESPN would be there waiting for me with like a job offer. Like, hey, you did great in college. Congratulations. <laughs> you did your thing. Come to ESPN. So like, that's where I thought I was going. And lo and behold, that didn't happen. Um, ESPN didn't come calling me until I was 29 years old. So that was seven years after graduation. Um, so I think you quickly learn that your ideal path is not the path that you're about to take. So you better buckle up. So for me, you know, I had to do a little bit of everything. You know, I started at um, the CW, actually. It was my first internship. I was talking about things like Taylor Swift shoes and Harry Styles and so-and-so, and, like, things that I could care less about. But, I mean, I was learning, you know, how to produce. I was learning how to be on air. And then I went to NBC, and I was working for, like, a small little show that was on the channel um, down here in Miami, and we were covering Pop Warner football. It wasn't NFL, it wasn't college, we were covering little kids. So it was like Flowrider's team versus Snoop Dogg's team, and, you know, I had to treat that like it was the Super Bowl. Um, <laughs> and then from there, I went to radio, and, you know, coming from television, you know, at the time, radio was kind of like a downgrade, and it wasn't something that I was, like, overly enthusiastic about doing, because it's like, I'm, I was on camera, like, I was on TV. Why would I want to do radio? But I say this now, like in hindsight, obviously hindsight is twenty twenty. Radio was such a great way to really perfect yourself as a journalist, whether it's, you know, you want to sit down and you talk to people or you want to be an analyst or you want to be a host because radio, you don't have anything else to focus on except what comes out of your mouth. And radio fans will call you up and curse you out and tell you, you don't know anything. Tom Brady is the GOAT. Like, 
they are not afraid to like really go at you. But for me, it taught me how to be quick. It taught me how to um, be more articulate. It just, it was really a good kind of crash course from the beginning stages, the baby stages in my career up until Sports Illustrated when it was like, okay, now you're with the big dogs and you got to be your A game. But yeah, my journey was a lot of different things that I never thought I was going to have to do. Like at all. I never thought I had to do any of that. The more you talk, the more similar we are. <laughs> the more similar yeah. I realize that we are. Because my first internship was at Entertainment Tonight. It was also just entertainment things. Mm-hmm. And I learned there that it's not what I wanted to do. I fell into sports like later down the road. And I feel like your radio was my YouTube because I was getting shredded online on YouTube because that was my first time that I got direct input Mm -hmm. of how I was doing with everything that I was doing. And I, I in college studied broadcast journalism and I took that kind of typical newsy broadcast voice that I had learned from college and at entertainment tonight to YouTube. And man, did they let me know (laughs) why is she talking like that? Why does she sound like this? Welcome today. (laughs) It's seven o'clock. Yeah. It's like the worst. Like nobody tells you nobody talks like that. Like nobody warned us. Yeah. It's, it's bad. And it also, but you know what? I feel like you and I both having that interaction with people, that direct interaction prepares you because it gets harder. You know, the platforms get bigger and it gets harder. And as you know, you know, you're already coming in a deficit and you're a woman. And then you add into the fact being a black woman or being a woman of color, it's a double deficit. And, you know, Twitter, unfortunately, back, you know, 20 years ago, it didn't exist. So you could go ahead and make mistakes. So yeah, people may be like cursing you out at home in their living room, but you don't have to hear it. Right. Now, if somebody wants to say you suck, they just DM you or they tweet you or whatever. And it's right there. But having that exposure to that unfortunate side of it early on in my career, I feel like has made it drastically easier for me to deal with it now. Now I don't care. Do you just have thick skin? Is it something that you ignore? Do you take any comments like into consideration? Most of the time, no, because they're not coming from people who like really are trying to give constructive criticism. They're coming from people who just want to troll you. So, I mean, if you see something, you know, in the mix of chaos, that's relatively, you know, constructive, I may take it to heart and maybe like, oh, that's not a bad idea. But for the most part, I've learned that, I know they say don't read the comments, like don't feed the bears at the zoo, but human nature is like, oh, let me see what everyone's saying about this. And then you regret it like two seconds later. <laughs> but I noticed that, you know, having a tough skin, I feel like is, is a weird terminology because people are human. You know, you can be the strongest person in the world, but you still have feelings. And if somebody cuts you in a way that, um you know, trigger something in you, it's going to hurt your feelings. I don't think that makes you weak. We're all human. So yeah, there are sometimes things that kind of fall through the wayside where I'm like, ouch, that kind of, like, it's 8am. Why are you coming at me? Like that hurt my feelings. But for the most part, I think you have to consider the source. And a lot of the times the source is, if we flip roles, you couldn't do what I do. So that's, that's kind of how I look at it. You know what I mean? You are at I Am Athlete now. Mm-hmm. What are your goals on that platform? How are you liking the guys? It's cool. You know, I think it's different, you know, when you come from an entity like Sports Illustrated that's a little bit more traditional and a little bit more structured. 
um, going to something that's more new media and more of a kind of related to a startup can be frustrating at times because certain things that, you know, were set in stone at SI is not going to be the case here. Um, but, you know, I think that big risk, big rewards. And I think that, like you said, the landscape of sports is changing, which kind of, you know, was one of the, the things that was in the back of my mind when I made the decision to go there. You know, I had to pick between a few different places and ultimately that's what I landed on. Um, I think that for me, my goal is to make the platform as diverse in conversation as possible. I think when you have a platform that really only adheres to men and, you know, the people on the cast and the guests that they get and, you know, that trickles down to the fan base, I think that you miss a big chunk of conversations that you can be have. Women see things differently. You know, women have, you know, different emotions about things. You know, women, you know, have different mindsets and, and conversations that they can add to things or input that they can add to things. And I think that the more that we kind of merge these worlds together and make it so that women and men can coexist as long as the foundation's at the same. And for us at I'm Athlete, it's prioritizing athletes as people first. I feel like why can't we have men and women on the same platform and they're one's not the host and the guys are the analysts. Like, I, I think the landscape is changing. And I hope that, you know, my time at I Am Athlete kind of proves that that can be, you know, beneficial and it can be successful. So that's really, you know, what I want to get out of it. I love that. A lot of people ask me, like, is it difficult being a woman in sports? And I've heard even from some of the interviews that you've done that you don't like that question. Mm -hmm. and, and Yeah, I hate that question. <laughs> I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like it either because, and, and I've always said this, I've said you're, you're scrutinized more as a woman, but mm -hmm. you're also different. So you stand out just because you're a woman. So if mm -hmm. you know your stuff, you have to know your stuff. Like that's the one thing you can't get away with not being prepared. But if you know your stuff, you can earn that respect. And I've always kind of looked at it as a challenge and even having my show courtside club again it's like i'm a female host i'm mm -hmm. the one host and i talk to men and women but hopefully new people who are coming to watch this show are okay listening to my voice even though mm -hmm. uh, you know i'm not a man in the industry and so i feel like what you're doing at i am athlete just you know proves that also would prior it was all men yeah. And they did a great job. Yeah. You know, and you're not, you're going to just elevate that a yeah. little bit more. I think that's um, the key word is I think women can elevate things and, and not destroy them. I mean, you let some men tell it and it's like, oh my God, there's a woman on here. It's over. I can't watch this show anymore. It's the, it's, you know, women elevate things. They don't destroy things. They think that if you're a woman, like you said, who's done their research and, and they know what they're talking about and they're just as well-versed in whatever the topic is, if it's NFL, if it's NBA, if it's, you know, a storyline with a particular player, I think having multiple voices in general, you know, elevates a conversation because you welcome different perspectives. When you bring a woman into the conversation, you know, that elevates it even more from a multitude of different angles because, like I said, women and men are different. Fundamentally, we're humans. But there's also drastic differences between us. So when people ask me, how does it feel to be a woman in sports? I hate that question because you guys don't ask men that. Now, what's my experience like being a woman in sports is a different question. What is it like being a woman in sports is just like such a lazy question to me. They don't ask male designers, like, what's it like being a man in fashion? Right. <laughs> you know? Or like on the red carpet when you used to ask women all the time, what are you wearing? They don't ask that to men. Like, men get questions about, so, your film, there was a lot of sense in that film. Like, what was your, like, your preparation? 
You ask me what dress am I wearing? It's just not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not cute. I'm not a fan. You were recently named to Forbes 30 Under 30, which is an amazing accomplishment. Thank you. What did that feel like? Was that on your list that you made in college? It was. It was very sweet. Was it? 30, 30 Under 30 has been on my vision board since I was, I want to say 22, 21. I was a senior in college when I made that board. So I had to be like 21, 22. Um... And it's funny because when I was 28, I had, there's multiple steps to like being named 30 under 30. You first get nominated and then if you pass the nomination stage, then there's like this whole form you fill out with all these questions and things like that. And I remember getting nominated and filling out the form and then not getting selected to be a final class. And I remember being so disappointed and thinking to myself, oh my God, I only have one year, but if I already made it this far, I probably won't make it this far again. This is my one shot. And then the same you know, process happened again last year. So I filled it out and in my head, I'm like, there's no way I'm making this, like whatever. I'm just gonna fill it out. You know, it's, it's, a, it's an honor to be nominated type of thing. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then I remember waking up the morning that they were announced and again, usually the time before that, I woke up real early to check Forbes and I'm like looking, you know, like when you audition for a play at school and like you run to the hallway and you're like looking through your, like, oh, is my name sure. there? I had double, triple checked in case my name was spelled wrong. I wasn't on that list. This, this time around, I woke up minding my business. I wasn't even pressed about it. My phone's blowing up and I'm like shoot like what did I do last night that I don't remember like I was freaking out like I was like what did I do <laughs> yeah. and everyone's congratulating me and I'm like what the hell like what is happening and I get on Twitter and there's the announcement and it was very surreal because I think that you know you envision things for yourself and you hope that they can come true and you manifest these goals for yourself it's a very surreal moment when those things actually come full circle and you're like oh okay did okay that's pretty cool so yeah it was a good day it was a good day. It's wild that you found out on Twitter. They don't send you like an official they do. email or call I found you or something. I checked it. They send you an official email like, congratulations, you made it to four. But I yeah. was so like, un I was so sure I wasn't going to make the list that I didn't even bother checking the email. I went on Twitter oh, like a normal okay. day and checked like who was traded, who was this, whatever, whatever. <laughs> right. And I was looking at my mentions. I'm like, why is everybody congratulating me? What the hell is going on here? And then I found out. And then the email and all this stuff was in my mailbox. And I was like, oh yeah yeah it was funny that's a very 2022 way of finding out and i love it's it very 2022 yeah, yeah. <laughs> ashley before i let you go i have some buzzer beaters for you okay break down your ideal courtside outfit oh i'm super simple um probably a nice pair of like stiletto boots not too high maybe like three inches probably black um a camo pants or a jean, probably knowing me though, and if it's winter time, I'm a big leather pant girl, so like a leather pants. Um, probably like a nice form-fitting white t-shirt and fly jacket on top of it, like hair slipped up in a bun, baby hairs, hoop earrings, very simple. I'm not the girl who's going to a game courtside in a gown and <laughs> a full face of makeup. Like I'm the, I actually, you know me, I'm gonna have some sunglasses on with it too, because like I, I don't want to see anybody else with the game. I'm focusing. I don't need the lights, any of that. Just nice and simple, like chic, cool, 
not trying too hard. Like, I'm, I'm here. Very Dua Lipa. That's what I envision it. A very Dua Lipa type of look. I love that. Courtside at MSG. Yes. Who was one person, dead or alive, that you would love to sit courtside with? Probably, I mean, I was going to say Bob Marley, but I feel like he wouldn't be a big basketball fan. He was into soccer and stuff like that. Probably Jay-Z. That'd be cool. I feel like Jay-Z would be a good one. Um, I feel like, obviously, Beyonce. A Rihanna would be a good one. She'd be a fun person to watch a game with. If you had, like, all three of them? Yeah, it'd be dope. Well, you probably have to have Rihanna and then Beyonce and then Jay-Z on the other side. You gotta have Yes, girl. the whole Rock yeah, Nation yeah. family. Yeah, I love like that. that. I like that. That'd be cool. And what yeah. is one event in history that you would have loved to have been courtside for? It could be sporting or other. I would have loved to have been courtside for Kobe Bryant's last game at the Staples Center. When he dropped the 60 points and it was, you know, the mamba out and the mic drop. And, you know, I watched Kobe in the very beginning of his career. I, I followed his entire career and, and to have been able to be there and witness, you know, his last bow, the, the house that Kobe built would have been so cool. Um, and I remember, it's actually, I'm not a highly emotional person. Like, it's like one of like my downfalls, depending on who you ask. Um, I'm a true Capricorn. I'm very like icy on the inside at times. But there have been a few like things not pertaining to me that have made me cry in my life. And watching that game, I remember being in my living room with my parents and my friends watching it. And I was like bawling like a baby. Aww. Like I was legit tearing up. It was such a, it was tears of joy. It was tears of sadness that I was never going to see him poop again. And, and just knowing that like I watched this person become the legend that is Kobe Bryant and you know, I was part of that in some way. And watching his final career was just, I mean, final final game of his career was just so surreal. And it was, you know, none of us obviously knew that, you know, he wouldn't be with us much longer. But it was honest, it was probably one of the best moments in NBA history that I can think of, like, in recent times. It was, it was a good one, for sure. I feel grateful that we, we've witnessed LeBron... Kobe and and for yeah. me a part of MJ's era not not the full thing I was yeah. too young I feel like for the, yeah. the Bulls era but like this is a great time in sports mm. and we were you know there for that so not only that but one day we'll tell our kids that we watched Giannis come into the league and we watched Embiid and we watched uh you know some of these other guys out in Jokic. When, when Manana did I say yes. his last name correctly? When, <laughs> you did. When he comes when he comes into the league, we'll be able to say we'll be able to talk about the frenzy that he caused right. before he even stepped foot on a court. I mean, we've been able to witness some incredible basketball players, some incredible talent that will definitely go down in the history books. And, you know, I can't wait to pull what my dad used to pull on me. Back in my day, Jordan used to do that. <laughs> like, All right. I got it. Jordan, got, Jordan, got it, Dad. Heard you, yeah. heard you. The nineties Knicks. I heard you. Got it. Yeah. Got it. I was. I got it. <laughs> Maybe it'll be like the twenty twenties Knicks. Like Listen, we're building a team. I'm telling you right now, if the Knicks win a championship before I have children, I will tell my kids the story every single day that mommy watched the Knicks win a championship. <laughs> it was a fifty year drought plus. But she watched it happen. It was a long time coming, but it happened. They probably won't believe me, you know, whether it happens again or not. But I would have the I would have the game saved on DVR, Blu-ray, DVD, VHS. Like it would be everywhere. You you <laughs> also better you better be there in your leather pants. 
Oh, I would be there at the parade. First of all, I don't think you'll realize how insane a Knicks championship parade would be. <laughs> like, take a Knicks fan and take the chaos that you've seen, like, outside the garden, like, on those videos when, like, the Knicks won their one playoff game in, like, first eight years. Take that chaos where it's like, Kevin Durant, don't you regret not coming to the mix? Take that time to trillion. It would be mayhem. The city would have to shut down for like a week straight. It would be chaos. You would need Batman, <laughs> Spider-Man, the Avengers, everybody to like calm us down. It would be pure chaos. And I can't wait. Yeah, I hope it happens. <laughs> I hope we're around for it. <laughs> Listen, your lips to God's ears. That's all I know. Ashley, before I let you go, I'll let everybody know where they can find you social media and anything else they should be on the lookout for nice and simple at ash nicole moss on instagram and twitter um anything that comes up with me career-wise and the updates and things like that um i post there so nice and simple cool love it thank you so much this is amazing thank you i had fun now i can tell Jalen that he and i did the same podcast i know i love that <laughs> next time we'll be in person too i have to come for I'm, sure i'm scheduled yes. to come to miami anyway soon nice so yeah let me know we'll do some fun stuff thank you guys so much for watching this episode of courtside club and thank you so much for tuning in all season long just a reminder once again this was our season one finale so we will be taking a little bit of a break before season two make sure that you guys tune into my social media pages it's at radmita and at Courtside Club Pod on Instagram. You guys can follow along there for any updates on when season two will be launching. Also, make sure that you stay tuned because the Courtside Club merch will be dropping very, very soon. And you guys don't want to miss out on it. It's a limited edition drop. We have some amazing hoodies and t-shirts and hats coming out for you guys. So I hope that you enjoy it. Have an amazing March Madness, and I'll see you guys in just a little bit for season two of Courtside Club. Bye! <laughs>